Spectral Evidence, Episode 2 Subverting Serendipity Okay, hello again. I've uh, got to remember where I left off just a minute. I stopped right after we went home, right? Okay, never mind. Sweet. Gotcha. So, basically, everything I knew was a lie. The whole world as I had seen it was flipped and turned and tossed. You get the deal. I was a little emotionally and existentially fraught for the next 12 hours. I tried very hard to sleep and to ignore the faint pulsing of adrenaline from being struck by lightning and almost dying from two separate and equally terrifying causes. As you can imagine, it was not very easy. I will say that being studied by people who now rendered you as some sort of concern was not a fantastic feeling. I don't like being studied. Don't get me wrong, I love analyzing things. If I could sort everything in the world into neat little boxes, I probably still would. That's the one thing about me that hasn't changed much. Kit was fine. He seemed reasonably shocked and maybe a little nervous around me at first. It was kind of funny to me, actually. He was always the one playfully tossing me around, but now he didn't even seem to joke about it. Overall, he mostly just seemed curious. Jules didn't talk to me at all the next morning. Mom came home late that night and hadn't woken up before I left, so I had no time to talk with her. Not that I really wanted to have a serious conversation about the sudden appearance of my new and mostly impossible scars anyway, but it still felt quiet and lonely. The members of Jules' assembly have known me for years, mostly through my brother or through Kit or some friend of my mom's I can't remember the name of anymore. In the initial shock, they treated me like what I was, a victim, but there was a slowly descending curtain of unease that hung over them, waiting to separate us entirely and I could only watch. But the worst of it was the strangers. I don't think I've ever seen so many people genuinely frightened of me. No, actually, you know what? I don't think anyone had ever been frightened of me before then. I was very used to being pitied, but fear? That, that was new. I got the usual stares, but the creases in the judgmental faces I passed weren't out of sorrow or some condescending compassion. It was out of distress, of unease, of disgust. Like peeking out of the car window, passing by some mangled thing you're not quite sure is roadkill yet. I tried to wave to someone I knew way back in junior high. I hadn't really gone outside by myself unless I was going home, and I certainly hadn't walked down that street for even longer, but they just turned away. Stared, like everyone, for far too long, and then they were gone. It happened time and time again with me. I experienced tragedy, unforeseen and horrific and bloody, every inch of normalcy torn from me like some ill-fitting garment on the mannequin of an impatient tailor, and everyone watched, waited with bated breath until I broke. But I never did. I was always hanging on by just a spool of thin threads, some mystifying faith in the fact that I'd survived everything up until now. I think that scared people. I didn't know a lot of people in town because I preferred to mind my own business, never been one to rock the boat, but everyone else knew me. Everyone knew me when the first string of disappearances was big news as the one that was left behind. 
and everybody knew me as the one who just wouldn't snap even after everything. There's not much privacy in a small town. Everybody knows and everybody talks, but nobody listens. All this is to say, I really don't like being the subject of scrutiny, and I've worked pretty damn hard to avoid having to be, too. Having all eyes on you as we walked to Valerie's felt strange and uncomfortable. I didn't like keeping attention the way Kit did. When he noticed that we were being stared at by passerby on bicycles or parents rolling strollers down the pavement, I felt this air of jealousy about him, as if he wished he were the one with the scars instead of me as if he knew anything about how it felt to be noticed. God, sorry, I didn't mean it like that at all. But uh, in the meanwhile, I certainly didn't want them. When I had woken up the next morning, I tried really hard to just pop some foundation over them and go about my day, but it just didn't work, obviously. It was so stupid of me to think that it would be that easy. The purplish-brown of the Lichtenbergs crawling up and into and out of my skin were like worming parasites I didn't ask for, and they refused to let me be. I spent the better portion of an hour placing any strands of my hair long enough to maneuver in just the right position to cover up the majority of the thing creeping up my cheeks, but the ones on my shoulder and back were nearly impossible to cover. It's not like I owned any long jackets. I got used to the cold a long time ago, and I'm pretty proud of it. I was definitely not in the mood to ask anybody for one. N nothing seemed to cover them up properly, so I just left and hoped for the best. I made plans with Kit to meet a block away from Valerie so we could talk before we headed in. I knew he didn't want to. He stalled for three days, actually, never explaining it further than saying he needed to prepare or something. And to be honest, I wasn't in the mood for talking either, but I knew it's what we had to do. What's up, kiddo? Hey, you're here right on time. Yeah, normally I'd love to keep you waiting, but the weatherman says the forecast is all switched up this week. It's supposed to rain, like, tonight? I don't think it will. Thanks anyways. Friday's good? Yeah, actually. She seemed super excited. She brought in this pretty white cat. Beautiful, but it was soaking wet. Its fur was all matted up. I kept telling her we should send it to the shelter to see if anyone will pick it up, but she seems pretty convinced it doesn't belong to anybody. The only reason she can give me is that it doesn't try to scratch her. Eh, I guess we'll figure it out later. She's still napping, but I've got the doors locked and the windows shut tight. I'm headed right back there after I leave y'all alone. <laughs> good plan. Kit, you ready? Yeah, I'm good. Just keeping my stuff with me. I don't really feel like leaving it anywhere, so... That's fine. Come on, we should hurry. I have no idea how long this is gonna take, and I don't want to leave Jules alone too long. You be safe, okay? Both of you. You've got my number. Call me if you need a ride. Somebody to beat up. Just kidding. I don't do all that, but you can still call me. Will do. Hi. Hi. You look a lot better. You look like shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. God, these past few days have been awful. Yeah. Sorry for yelling at you. It's fine. I would've. 
Yeah, but I still feel bad. I was just stressed out. We all are. Come on. Hello? Is this Valerie's house? We have a couple of questions. <gasps> oh, hello, darling. And Kit. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Miss April. Oh, you scared me. Shame on you. Oh, my apologies, dearest. I was just testing you to make sure it wasn't somebody wearing your skin to trick me into what do you have here? Oh, yeah, that's kind of what we're here about. Lichtenberg, that dreaded scientist in his stupid mathematical formulas. Einstein? I hate them both equally. Can we come inside? It's, uh, kind of cold. Oh, of course. Don't let me keep you. I was just about to head back into the meeting room. You have a meeting room? Yes, I'm holding a seminar on sirens. We have a few attendees this time, and I did not force them contractually to oblige. Wow, that's great. Yes, I think it's very important for people to know the history of the town that they're living in. Worms are very elusive creatures, you know. Uh, did you know that the founder of this town was a worm? That's how it got its name. I thought it was because the mayor was really into cryptozoology. Well, clearly. Only cryptids are into cryptozoology. Wouldn't you want to know what other monsters you could befriend and where they were hiding if you were a monster? But aren't you super into that stuff? Yes. Right. You have a very charming cabin. Do you like the harpoon? It, uh, makes for very daunting decoration. Protects against invasive creatures like mermaids and landlords. It's my good luck charm. I use it whenever I feel threatened. You need a license for that. Not if the law doesn't know. I guess. Those ships and bottles on the shelf are really cool, actually. Did you color all those on your own? Yes. Oh, wow, that must be really tedious. I've never been one for tiny details. I've been through a couple of art courses to grab some credits, but my hands are too shaky to hold a paintbrush. Oh, I never said I used a paintbrush. Oh. Or paint. Huh. I'm off to my conference for now. I'll likely come in to visit if any fights occur. If you hear yelling in the other room, do not mind us. I'll go see if Valerie's awake. Uh, milk's on the table. I have a feeling we're going to need extra. Can we make a patch not to drink the milk? Why? It's polite. She offered. She just said she didn't use paint to paint. I don't want to know what's in this. I'll drink from it first if you're really that nervous. Go for it. <coughs> oh, wow. That is... That tastes strong. Strongly of what, though? I don't know. It's not bad. It's just... <sighs> kind of tastes like someone dipped a really awful tea bag in it. And it's hot. Why are you still drinking it? It's polite. Oh, screw formality. I'm not having it. Do you think they'll notice if I pour some of it into the sink? Okay, well, you can be rude on your own. Good morning. Hi, hello. You're Valerie? Yes. A lot of people just call me Mystique. It's a funny little joke on my part. You know, Mystique. Yeah. Ah, it's truthfully not as funny after 20 years of using it. But it's nice to keep your own name after marriage, especially when you can introduce yourself in a silly manner. I think it's funny. Thank you. Should we introduce ourselves? I've heard of you both. Teacher gossip always travels through April to me. Many a time I have been entertained by the tales of your misadventures. Oh, 
Um, sure you don't like me then? Uh, it's not like that at all. Recognize these? Oh, her newspaper. I didn't know anybody kept them. Of course she does. These are her babies. She loves them. Her favorite issues go in laminated folders we keep in drawers. You really should be proud of yourselves for that. She's passionate about a lot of things, but if she's passionate about one thing in particular, it's the media. I know. I run every issue by her before it goes out. She's really interested in it. I love people with a serious passion for what they believe in. I think that's what makes me like April so much. It's kept us together for this long. Even if that something is unfounded fear? Yes. Well, it's not uncommon or unfounded to be afraid of the ocean. But worms? Sirens? And whirlpools? And strong currents? And turtles? Yes. All of those things. It's endearing. She has just as strong a hatred for the ocean as a deep reverence for it. It really is fascinating to listen to. It never gets old. I think so, too. I'm sure I won't mind either of you. What's your name? Bertie. And yours? Kit. You already know me. Where did each of you hear about me from? Just out of curiosity. I always like to know what whispers are being told about little old me. My mom talks about you. Pleasantly? Spitefully. <laughs> well, that's funny. I don't think I know her. Yeah, well, that's just how it is. She's just, uh, sort of like that. Such is the nature of moms, I suppose. And you? April talks about you all the time. Aw, does she really? Yes. <laughs> Lovingly, by the way. Not out of spite. I should hope so. That would be very embarrassing if it was. I suppose so. <laughs> Enough about me. You've come to me for something. What is it? Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Show her the skull. I'm getting to it. It's all been a little hectic. Ah, the unexpected storm. That was interesting, wasn't it? You could certainly say so. We were in my brother's treehouse for a meeting of his. He's a... he's got a club for ghosts. A club for ghosts? To discuss ghosts and other kinds of strange activity. He brought up these disappearances in town, right? Well, I thought the club was kind of stupid, but he'd do better with more equipment. Didn't even have any scanners. Anyway, we left to find one of the kids that had run off. Her name's Friday and she's a little middle schooler, you know, super curious. Said she'd seen a person that looked like a cat and wanted to follow them into the woods. Ah, a cat person. No, just looked like one. But either way, we found her holding a cat and babbling on about the stranger she saw. A shapeshifter? No, what? <sighs> Sorry. Kit, can you tell this story? I guess I'm still tired. We found a monster in the woods. It was this uh, big, really nasty thing covered in vines and moss and stuff. It looked like it crawled up from the ground. It was as big as a... like a... Um, that bookshelf over there. It kept uh, growling and growling in a kind of look like a bear actually with these uh, tiny beady eyes oh i know yeah it was a it was freaky but long story short birdie got struck by this uh big bolt of lightning at the same time this forest monster bear did it snapped a limb off it and it ran off with the arm in its teeth it was nasty but she lived I know, you probably don't believe us. I, I mean, it, it sounds impossible. I wouldn't expect you to think we were serious. May I see the scar? Yes. 
How fascinating. That really is incredible. Yeah. And horrible. Yeah. I don't mean to alarm you. It's just, I believe you. You do? Oh, thank God. Of course. I believe you. Lichtenberg's scars are the most rare patterns in nature to acquire naturally. They're near impossible to replicate, and no amount of meticulous attempts you could have tried would have come to par with them. Even if I did doubt you, I'd have no better answer as to how you got them. See? I told you she'd believe us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Feels nice. Feels kind of shitty to have other people think you're crazy. Right? Later. Please. Whatever. So, uh, is it a freak accident or is it magic? Mmm, I'd like to say a healthy mix of both. Wait, seriously? Yes. I've been studying the existing known magics and their patterns for years. To be truthful, I would like to use a different name than magic. It makes it sound just slightly too juvenile. I don't like the term forces, either. I suppose magic is the better of the two, and I have never been very good at naming things. I suppose if a better term floated my way... But it's real! Oh, absolutely. No way. (laughs) That's impossible. Look at the fractals littering your skin. That's impossible. And yet it isn't. It just doesn't... I just don't understand. I do really want to. I just can't, you know? Oh, believe me. I was not the type to go lining the house with salt and lighting incense when I felt dark energies in my younger days. I suppose my belief that the word magic is juvenile in itself is simply left over from that long era of skepticism. Doubt is a hard barrier to breach, and an even harder one to recognize as doubt, rather than plain fact. So does everyone have it? No. Am I the one that caused the storm? Most certainly. Is it only me? Most certainly not. Okay, okay, okay. So speaking technically, could uh, I have some sort of magic too? Yes, you certainly could. Really? I'd have to conduct a test. I'm not great at those. There are no wrong answers. That is what every teacher says before they fail you. Well, just be lucky my wife's the teacher, and I'm not her. Just give me your hand, please. And if you can, looking at me helps. Sure. (laughs) What? Sorry, I rarely see you looking so serious. I am serious! Hmm. Oh, yes! Yes what? I can sense it. Just a little beneath the surface. Certainly not as outwardly dangerous as birdies here. But it's there. It's it's real. Certainly. That is so cool. But how does it... How does... How does it work? That's a very hard question to answer. But do you have one? Personally, I think it can be explained best in metaphor and convoluted purple prose. Before we get right into the good stuff, I would like to talk about space. I suppose what I'm about to tell you about space could be considered the good stuff, depending on what area of it you're into. This is because space has lots to offer. There are planets for just about anyone that dares to take in their vastness, their magnitude. Rarely does something exist solely in dreams. There is more than likely a pocket of ether somewhere in deep space, housing what they imagined. That very creature or object 
or thing, tangible or otherwise. I am a firm believer in the idea that everything can happen, has happened, somewhere already. Time is not easy to summarize in a diagram. It is one of the very concepts that exists to defy simplicity, but it is endless. I watched this lovely documentary once in my earlier studies of existentialism and the like. I really won't bore you with the details, but there was a visual amidst the pragmatics that just stuck with me. On the screen was our galaxy, slowly zooming farther out until what we know was far from visible, faster and faster as the stars would wink in and out of sight, like gleaming narrow streamers amidst the deep endlessness. And soon the visuals cleared, and it revealed the expanding boundary to our universe to be a mere bubble in a vast, dark ocean. Imagine if that were true! Imagine if everything we knew and everything beyond was just a tiny speck in the sands of time on the shore of space. It's more than possible. It's almost certain, given how unquantifiable in measure it already is. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I like to imagine there are other bubbles out there just like ours, that we're all part of this larger collective of universes, adrift in the cosmic sea, undisturbed. But if there are so many of them, there are bound to be ones that look very, very similar. And if it is not finite, there ought to be nearly identical ones to ours. There ought to be some that already have gone through everything we have in human history, and more. And bubbles, as you know, can also merge. They can bump up next to each other, they can pop under the pressure, or they can merge into one singular bubble. I suspect this is precisely what causes some changes to our world that would not be possible otherwise. There are bound to be some fundamental hiccups of the universe, occurred in the Milky Way's quintessence, a streak of soot in an angel's wing. All of those wonderfully metaphorical mishaps, those represent what bridges the common and the divine. I'll be the one who bites. What bridges them? Mistakes. And, in the rarest of circumstances, a tear in the fabric between bubbles or emerging in their essence can be a blessing. A path the universe had never thought to carve, but it birthed itself anyway, barreled through the seas of stars, carved waves that rippled out into the rest of the world around it, and molded it irreversibly into something new. I am sure there are some lovely things in life that were caused by this phenomenon. The impossible crosses the bridge into the world of the possible through the power of simple mistakes. Of bubbles refusing to pop, but refusing to bounce away. But with magic, the integration cannot be proper. Our universe simply doesn't allow for it to organically bond, and so it condenses into one strange mistake. But a mistake would imply that someone was making decisions in the first place. How could something go wrong if nothing goes intentionally right first? That would make sense, wouldn't it? But I don't think there is very much sense at all to something like magic. That being said, if you'd like to believe it's the mistake of the universe at large, or of any number of centralized celestial beings, it doesn't change much. You ought to at least recognize a pattern by now, though. In the way magic worked, otherwise you couldn't have theorized all this cool but kind of convoluted bubble junk around it. 
Well, those afflicted with magic don't quite connect with each other very well in terms of background, as far as I've seen. I imagine that's why you think it's a a mistake, because it pops up at random. Precisely. So what, is Worm Harbor just some magical hotspot? Why does it not just seep into the rest of everywhere else at once, like uh, the rest of the known universe, I mean? I'm afraid that I don't have a good answer to it. It's simply been quite a phenomenon here. There's a reason I've been here for so long. To monitor it. Oh, and to stay with my lovely wife, of course. Look, I'll say what we're both thinking. This sounds kind of awesome. I don't know why you talk about it like it's a bad thing or like a mistake. I wasn't thinking that. This sounds awesome. Isn't a happy mistake called, um, oh God, serendipity? No, you taught me that. That's what this is. I don't think so. I'm worried about its unpredictability. I find it's been manageable, but only to an extent. With a teacher, I'm positive one could learn to channel their magic away from disaster. So we're going to be taught how to do magic stuff? Not necessarily. What? Why? I would be more than happy to sit with you and talk about everything, Kit. God knows April does not need any more rambles about bubbles from me. Though I know she loves them, but I would suggest we snuff what we've found out now for practicality's sake. Better to be safe than sorry. I'm actually very glad I checked. It'll be much easier to cut the head off the demon before it's grown a tail. You're kidding. I don't sound like I am, do I? You don't. You planned this, didn't you? What? You both did, to make me look stupid. Ah. Kit, harping on the ghost crap again. Can you believe he believes in magic? Oh my god, I can't believe I didn't know. Kit, you can't think that's true. You saw what happened with your own eyes. I didn't want this. I mean, I know you've been sick of me talking about it. (laughs) Am I the butt of the joke here? Is this this funny to you? To to both of you? You have no business accusing Miss Teague of anything. She's only trying to help and educate us. If you need to be angry with anyone, let it be just me, and later, please. I am not angry! Yes, you are. Just, just take a deep breath and listen to what she has to say. We need to know what she knows if what she says is true. I think if she believes it's dangerous for you, you might be better off doing what she says. Ugh, where is all this righteous bullshit coming from? Since when have you ever cared so badly about justice and getting down to the bottom of things? You dig at me and call me paranoid every day for saying magic exists. Magic exists. And I have to defend myself every day for having a single honest-to-God conviction that isn't about how much I hate everything else. You know, I risk sounding stupid all the time. Just to get my ideas rejected over and over again. Do you know how dumb I feel? Can you imagine what it's like to be the person who punches the things they can't understand? Do you think I'm too dumb to know that's why I do it? I know so much more than everybody thinks I do. I'm not stupid. And I put my faith, my honest beliefs in one thing. And you can't even stand to hear about it. You groan every time I mention the word spectral. Look, I know you'd do it now if I didn't say something. Kit. You want me to stop? Sure, I'll stop, but where's the- Sorry, Kit, you were right. 
My bad for being a total douche and ripping your hypothesis to shreds every single day because I'm so stuck grieving over old shit that I can't possibly see the fact that other people are trying to move on and, and rationalise what happened for themselves. It is so damn frustrating. You can't even admit out loud that I was right and you were wrong or even that you're sorry and you're already accepting your fate as the universe's chosen saviour to go kick some interdimensional rift ass. Are you even sorry? I never said anything about kicking the universe. That would be rude. That is exactly the point. You already know that you have to, don't you? It doesn't matter what I say. I say it just sounds like crazy talk. Kit, this is me trying to move on. This is me not knowing what's wrong and trying to get help from myself from someone who has an ounce of understanding of what might be going on, and you should be listening too. I was already trying to help you. But you can't stop moping over somebody who's already long gone. Kit. And now you're pushing me away from you again to go off and do some magic shit that I was telling you was real. Dude, come on. When I have been the only person who's been right here the whole damn time. Catherine. What? You should go. No, how did you know I- Leave. I am not your mother. I am not your teacher and I am not someone you can shout over when you please. I will not tolerate this in my home. And I won't stand anyone who's going to cause upheaval at a mere suggestion. April does not deserve to hear this, and neither do I. You're allowed to be angry. You're always allowed to be angry, but it will not be directed at me. You can come back when or if you want to listen to what I have to say, but not before. Sure. Whatever. Fine. I wish you would tell me these things before you embarrass us both by exploding. Don't talk to me like that. You are just as angry as me. You're just better at hiding it. If there was one thing that was so glaringly wrong with our relationship, it's that we had the most undesirable method of communication imaginable. When I would get mad at something she did, I would get pissed and then I would wave it away like nothing ever happened. I would move on verbally, but of course I wouldn't emotionally. I'd let it bubble and boil and fester into this angry piping tumor that plagued me and gnawed at me until I spit it out and somebody got hurt. Then I'd feel so damn guilty that I'd apologize and vow to never voice my opinions again. But still, it repeated. Meanwhile, Kit would poke at you with this, this absolutely maddeningly passive-aggressive persistence, letting you know he was angry, but not why. And then, inevitably, when you asked, he would just go ballistic, and it was impossible to deal with every single day. He hated everything, and he didn't care about anything, and he was not afraid to let you know it. Apart, we would self-regulate quietly and selfishly, never really solving anything. Together, we were immediately insufferable to each other and to anyone unlucky enough to be around us. <laughs> Honestly, though, we were probably not as bad as I make it out to be. We were just shitty exes going through hard stuff individually. I just wish we were better back then. I think a lot of really terrible things could have been prevented if I had taken more steps like I did that morning to try and progress our relationship more 
positively. But see, there I go with the maybes and what-ifs. They're impossible to escape, really. Especially when you have the insight of someone who can recall most of it play by play. Most of it. Oh my god. Ugh. I'm... I'm sorry. He gets like that sometimes. I don't really understand why. Nothing to worry about? I know he'll come back. His mind is restless, and he has questions. But, as I said, I am not his teacher, and I can't stand shouting. Did you finish your milk? Yes, ma'am. Good! Would you like any more? I can ask April to grab some for you. Oh, no. Thank you. I really don't think I'm thirsty anymore. No worries. I deeply apologize for all of that. Do you think I was a little too harsh? I haven't had to reprimand children in years. I'd forgotten what being frustrated at that sort of thing felt like. I don't revel in it, I assure you. I know April doesn't either. No, no, you're okay. I think he needed to hear it. We'll figure it all out eventually. I don't claim to know all of the answers, but I'm not going to push you away for something no one understands. For now, I have something for you that might be better than more theory and lectures from me. A, a tea party? I'm not really one for tea. Or parties. That's sort of my mom's thing. No matter. At tea parties, the focus is never really the tea. It's the party. Is it, is it safe? I feel like now more than ever would be the time to avoid people I don't know. A very good question to be asking yourself. But yes, it is perhaps one of the most safe places here besides our home. There are some people there that will understand what you're going through. You mean magic people, or...? A variety. All of them have had a run-in or two with an entity they couldn't explain. So, a trauma support group for people who witnessed or orchestrated weird supernatural occurrences? Eh, sort of. Ah. Well, honestly, I could probably use that right about now. Thank you. When is this again? Tomorrow night. They hold it most nights of the week, but they have a new member joining, so it might be a good time to slide in and say hello. Do you need a pin? Oh, no, no. I'll remember just fine. I don't have any other plans. Lovely. Will you be there? I don't see your name on the reservation. No, but April will. She will keep you safe. Worse comes to worse. And don't hide that scar. You might irritate it. I'll find a jacket that might match for you that'll be softer on your skin. Oh, you don't have to do that. I'm going to. You have us to watch over you. You and- And me! Oh, Christ! Oh, sorry, sorry. You scared me. No worries, dear. I'm as sneaky as a louse. You'd never hear my footsteps any time I wished it to be so. Right, yeah. Sorry again. I'm still a little jumpy. Yes, well, it's perfectly natural to be. I'll see what I can do about that monster. Don't lose any more sleep over it. Thank you. I'm- Going to see what I can do about this party, and then I'll try and see if I can talk to Kit. Later, though, I think both of us need a break. I don't imagine he'll be staying over with me after all. I'll wish you luck. You're a very smart girl, Bertie. Your doubt is not foolish to keep with you. Just don't let your destiny be squandered by your inhibitions. <sighs> I really do believe you have the potential to unlock some wonderful things in yourself if you open your eyes. I'd like to see you back whenever you fill up to it. 
I know you must be exhausted. I am. I really am. Thank you. I really was. I don't think I've felt so physically exhausted a day in my life before that. There was a slight soreness of the day before, and more pressingly, the weight of the world sat right on my shoulders. To be completely transparent with you, Kit hit it just a little on the nose when he told me off about self-righteousness. I was filled right when Valerie was giving me the supernatural pep talk of a lifetime with this odd sense of blooming pride. I had this inkling, a feeling bursting in my chest that I was going to do great things, that I was going to be something great, and that all the horrible monsters that had plagued the people I knew and loved could be beat by the sheer channeling of my emotions and will. I truly do wish that was the case. I've never liked the phrase, the monster was inside us all along. <laughs> it just sounds stupid, honestly, and it's a cheap cliche line to throw out there, but I think it's a cliche for a reason. There is some very real truth behind it. I was so focused on the fact that there was something tangible to beat that I forgot to take care of the ones I was defending. There was a seed of vexation buried in me that day that I wasn't able to pluck out until, well, I suppose very recently. I felt like I needed to save people, like everyone's troubles and worries rested on my shoulders. As if I could take care of anyone or anything if I just knew the right time to call a storm or the perfect place to summon a bolt from the heavens. Like I needed to fight. And more desperately, to win through any means necessary. I think Kit's taking over some of this next part. I don't know that you would have wanted to hear his side of this bit. I'll see you later, alright? Tell me what happens when I come back and say hi. That's, that's a joke. You can't talk, and I already know the story. <laughs> anyway, I'll be back. Hi, I'm Calliope Monroe, creator of Spectral Evidence, an Astro Podcasting Network production. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and rate and review it wherever you're listening to us. You can find us on our website at spectralevidence.card.co or on social media. We're SpecEvipod on Twitter and SpectralEvidencePod on Tumblr. You can also find us on Patreon at Mix Eli Ramos. That's M-X-E-L-I-R-A-M-O-S. You can support Astro Podcasting Network at different tiers and get rewards like early access to episodes, annotated scripts, commentaries, behind-the-scenes posts, art, and even merch. That's not just for Spectral Evidence, but all of the shows on the network. The money you give directly goes to supporting our editor, showrunners, and actors who make these shows possible. Please support us if you have the means. Any amount's helpful. Audio editing done by Eli Ramos. Script editing done by Inigo Sherwani. Our voice talents are as follows. Georgia Head as Bertie Aylesworth, Romeo DiGiovanni as Kit Bailey, Sidonia as Miss April June, Inigo Sharwani as Molly Wingfield, and Faye Holiday as Valerie Teak. Attributions for sound and music used can be found in the show notes. Thanks to Ezra Liebuck and Audrey Fum, two $20 patrons on our Patreon. Thanks for listening, I hope you enjoyed it, and you should probably stick around for the next episode. Bye!